okay, it's eight o'clock on the eighth. My battery meter is 88%. I'm thinking the energy is right for me to go ahead and get started. So, hi, I'm Naya. Um, welcome to a special episode that will eventually go on my podcast, Grow With Naya. Um, I am not my wounds. I am their ascension. And this is all about me turning my trauma into my healing superpower. So I feel like it's important for me to kind of start with one trigger warning. <laughs> it's trigger warning because this came up from something positive and I just, it just kind of brought feeling up. So I was in a room on a clubhouse, shout out to clubhouse, and um, it was about why is our perceived magical? And I remember hating mine. I remembered not wanting to be a girl. Like I had that actual feeling I didn't want to be a girl for a multitude of reasons. Um, thinking about, you know, being told, I just, I remember as a child hearing that my dad shouldn't save me because I'm a girl. I remember you can't hang out with your uncles because you're a girl. I remember you can't wear that because you're a girl. I remember how awkward it was to be like seven years old with breasts. Um, I don't even remember training bra stage. It's like once they showed up, they were here. Like, wow. I'm sure I wore a training bra for a, a, a minute, maybe, but not long enough for me to remember it. I just remember bra. Um, I was what I saw myself as awkward in my youth. And it's crazy because now I look at myself and other than the fact that my hair is locked and it's graying and I wear glasses, I look exactly the same. And but I was awkward. And the there was something coming off of me to others that I did not understand. I just didn't understand it. I was a child um, from uh, the little boy up the street kissing me when I was, you know, little, little, like, you know, maybe five. Um, I think I was maybe five, not probably just turned five when we moved into our house. And then when I told the girl up the street and she said, if you don't kiss me, I'm going to tell your mama about you kissing that boy. And something in me freaked out. Five. Something in me freaked out. And um, so kissed her too. And <laughs> There was just a series of things like that. I lost my virginity at a very young age, very young. He was 19 
And it's only been within the last year where I have acknowledged the fact that I was molested. And I had never attached that to myself, like that word. Um, and then the following year, when I was in middle school, I was raped. So I was molested. And then right behind that, I was raped. Then right behind that, like the, maybe the next year or two later, um, someone tried to rape me in my neighborhood as I was walking home. And then he stopped me until he got sent away. And then, you know, I ended up out of my house and I was maybe 19, 20 at the time, staying with a guy that cared nothing about me. I was just a body. I was just a, I was just a body for him to use. And I knew it, but I was just not, I didn't know my worth. I just didn't understand. And I remember him having, you know, he let me stay there when I needed a place to stay. And I remember him having somebody over and me trying to be a minimal people pleaser. I said nothing, even though it bothered me. I said nothing. And then he, you know, his friends come over and it's not that they're strangers, I knew them. But because he was doing whatever he was doing one day, they felt like it was open season on me. It was about five of them. Fortunately for me, after I got raped, I made it my business to lift weights and work out. So though I am what some would say small in stature, I knew how to defend myself at the time. So I did not end up being raped that day, but I did leave. I packed my stuff up and I left. I walked a few blocks away, went to somebody's house that I knew crying. And he let me stay there for a little bit until I couldn't. It was just, it just seemed like my youth was filled with trauma. One thing after another, after another after another and sometimes I don't always realize how much that shaped who I am or who I was um, being someone that sexual energy sometimes just comes off and I don't always understand it um, or at least I didn't. I did not always understand it. Shouts out to astrology because I, I am a firm believer that people who think astrology doesn't work only know their sun sign. That's it. They know that they're an Aquarius or Gemini or something like that. That's what they know. They don't really know their soul contract. They know the thing that you introduce yourself as, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm a subject. That's what they know. They don't know their rising sign or their moon sign or what's ruling their eighth house. They don't know those things because if they knew the breadth of information that's in the birth chart, all of that is not coincidence. And they will say, well, you can't 
when you're born, you come here for a reason. You just forget. And that is just another tool, a means to understand. And the wisdom has been, people have just been blessed with the ability to translate it and help others garner that information. So I give gratitude for the fact that I loved astrology as a child and have reconnected with it as an adult. And I look at my birth chart. So I am a cancer rising. And right there in my first house, which is the house of I am, is who you are. So I'm a can- who I am is a cancer rising. So I'm nurturing emotional, divine feminine, caring, you know, intuitive, all of those cancer things. But sitting right there in there is an asteroid called lust. I've affectionately decided to call that the milk placement because cancer is also mother. And so I have the, please excuse my excessive tone, I forgot to put my phone on silent. Um, I sat there and I looked at that for a minute. I remember the day I noticed it and I'm just like, seriously? No wonder everybody I meet immediately attaches to one thing. And it it dawned on me in the shower because that's where I kind of like sometimes end up meditating and praying and speaking to my higher self because I'm a cancer rising so I'm drawn to water. So I'm in the shower and I'm talking and I'm talking about this asteroid and it's like, why? Because other than the asteroid lust being in my first house, um, I am an Aquarius sun, but my Aquarius sun is sitting in the eighth house, which is naturally ruled by Scorpio. So it still has all the Scorpio elements under the umbrella of an Aquarius. And so if you know anything about Scorpio, like the, what's the word? Uh, the stereotype of Scorpios. We all we, we all know the scary the, the Scorpio stereotype. So that's where my sun is. That's where my sun is shining at. The sun illuminates. So my sun is shining in all things Scorpio. Sex, power, the occult. That's where my sun shines. Not only is my sun there, so is Mars. That's passion. Not only is it your passion in life and what you do, but it is your sexual passion as well. So that's where, and Mars is the nat- traditional ruler of Scorpio. Oh, okay. Uh, um, that's, that's, that's cool. Then it gets better. So my fifth house, which is the place where of things that you love, enjoy, it's ruled by Scorpio. I, and I jokingly say sometimes, I might as well be a Scorpio because of all of this Scorpionic energy in my chart. And there are a few other things in there that just stick out in terms of sexual energy. It expresses itself in other ways, but that is super because of the way my first house is. It is potent. It is really, really potent. And I was just like, why? Why? And as I'm showering, my higher self is like, so you don't want people to be attracted to you? Like, if you meet somebody and you're attracted to them, you don't want them to be attracted to you. And I sat there for a minute. 
And I was like, well, that's not true. I do want, you know, if I'm attracted to somebody, if I like a guy, I like a girl, you know, however that's happening that particular day, I would love for that person to be attracted to me and be drawn to me because Scorpios are magnetic. That energy is magnetic. It pulls you in. And it seems like that's what happens with me is like that's where people are pulled in. But it's also because I run from it. I hide it. I suppress it. I don't, I did not want to be, it's like I wanted to be sexy, but I didn't want to be sexy. And those two things are conflicting. So the energy is conflicting. So it comes off as really conflicting. Like I don't, I just didn't know what to do with it. And the moment I understood this is your magnetic and your creative because sex is the power of creation. That's what it is. In the moment that you are having sex, the energy of creation is present. Whether or not you create a life in that moment depends on what else is going on. But that energy that you are generating through sex is creation. When you are feeling some kind of way, that energy of creation and need to create, a need to do something is building up. So being naturally creative, because I am also naturally creative, um, that is what's wafting off of me. They still notice everything else. They just notice that too. And depending on whether I'm operating from a place of hiding it or operating a place of owning it, how loud it is and whether I feel like I can set appropriate boundaries. Because that's the other thing about it is I had to learn how to put boundaries in place. Yes, it's cool that you feel like this is nice, that's nice, this is nice, that's nice. We're not going to focus on that. We're not going to have that conversation right now because you haven't earned the right to have that conversation with me. Once I feel like it's okay, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And everybody doesn't get the same timeline, boundaries. That's, I'm not going to tell that lie. That it's all about energy and what I'm feeling from you in that moment, whether I feel like I can be that way with you or not. And it has been such a beautiful shift in my own power just a beautiful shift in my power because being raped and molested made me feel like that aspect of myself was a bad it was it attracted trouble it attracted pain it attracted trauma and then to add on top of that you're it's like you're going to give me this aspect from People are drawn to me, they, you know, want to do this, but I can't have babies. I realized at a very young age, I was 20, maybe 21, 21 when I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. I self-diagnosed it, actually, before a doctor um, officially diagnosed me. Shout out to my high school, best little high school in my town. Um, but I'm like, okay, so I can't have kids. And at the time, I was okay with that because I didn't want children. 
But when I got older and wanted children, that became an issue because I was not ovulating. In fact, by the time I decided to even consider having a baby on my own, I wasn't having a cycle at all. So I'm like, okay, well, I can, you know, bless. I hadn't ended up, you know, having any kids at a really young age or anything like that. But now where I'm at the age where I want to have kids, I still can't have any. And I'm like, okay, this just has to be, I remember feeling like I was being punished. Like I had done something wrong and God was punishing me. That's what I remember. And then, you know, I get to a place where I can get pregnant apparently, much to my surprise when it happened. And then I lose my first child. And it's like, what is, what is this? Like it's nothing. But it just seemed like trauma was following me. That's what it seemed like. It just seemed like trauma was following me. And I did not know what to do with it. And I have finally come to the place where I understand that by healing those wounds, it's not that I forget that they happened, but I learn from them, and then I can resonate with other people who may have experienced the same thing. Being a woman with PCOS, you know, having a pussy with like mixed feelings, I didn't like her. I really didn't like her. And it was sad because I, <laughs> I knew she was good. Like, I'm just not going to stick it to it. I knew she was good, but I didn't like her. I didn't like her. She couldn't make babies. PH balance was always off. I just did not like her. And then I found this magical Yanni watch that changed my life. I remember telling somebody I had a brand new pussy. That's what I remember. Telling somebody that I had a brand new pussy. Then I discovered I was using the Yanni watch. Um, she also has a Yanni scrub. And I was like, oh, my word, wait a minute. Where has this been all my life? So now I'm using these natural products and my pussy feels youthful and fresh. And everything about her was like magical. And I'm like, oh, my word, this is what I should have been feeling like for decades. Because I only discovered it maybe mm, maybe about five years ago, maybe. And so I'm like sitting here and I'm taking good care of my body. And it's like the moment I did, my sacral chakra was like, hey, hey, hi. We are balanced emotions. We are no longer repressing emotions. And hey, let's go ahead and get connected to our spiritual side because this is the seed of creation. That's what the pussy is. It is where life is born. It is the portal from which life is born, from which life comes from heaven and into the material world. That is what it is. And pussy prayers, that was the, oh man, 
doing the exercises of cleansing, like writing down the partners, how I felt about them. And I think that was my first fire ritual, burning all those names in flames from the person who raped me, the person who, I keep wondering if I wrote the person who molested me down. Maybe I should do it again just to be on the safe side. But just doing that, it was so freeing, so free. It was like this weight because in the energy of writing it, I was disgusted. Oh my gosh, I was so upset with myself. Like, how did I allow this to happen? And it was something I had to go through. I had to go through that because if I did not go through it, if I met somebody or one of my friends told me that they were raped, I wouldn't know how to speak to her as a survivor because I'm not a victim of rape. I'm a survivor because he didn't just rape me in my house. He raped me in my school like he wasn't done. If you read my book, there's a poem in there about it. He raped, first he physically raped me, and then he raped me verbally by bragging about it. And so there are people I know who sat and had lunch with this individual that don't even realize that he raped me. He even pops up in my people you may know on Facebook. I remember the day that it happened. I'm like, Facebook, you have got to be kidding me. You have. And it's not like, I mean, there's no, I've never, I told one person who it was that raped me and made him promise not to cause this person um, unhealable bodily harm. I've never told another person who it was. And so, you know, I don't think even... I don't think I've ever had a conversation with any of the people I know who repeated his story um, and told them that's not the truth. That's not what happened. So, you know, of course I blocked them. I don't care. I guess I was the first and only. I don't care. I blocked them. You know, I just, I don't need that kind of, I just don't need it in my life. And just looking back, I'm just like, I blamed myself. I was like, you know, I wasn't before that. I, I, all these various reasons other than the fact that he was a racist. I wasn't sweet. And I often hear people say, well, if women didn't wear X, Y, Z, that's not the truth. The day that I was raped, I had on a white t-shirt, black sweatpants, and a pair of black nice horses. I could not, I could have looked like someone's boyfriend with these. And that's the truth. That's the truth there. I didn't have long, I mean, I didn't have short hair, but I didn't have really, well, I guess technically just not past my shoulders, I had short hair. So I didn't, I was not, not, there was nothing that if anyone else saw me was screaming, oh, she's being sexy, that's not the truth. So then when people say that, now I have, I, I, I can suspect my truth. Men rape because they're rapes, period. Period. I have sons, so I can teach them. I don't care if he's walking around butt naked. It's not an invitation for you. It's only an invitation to invite you. And even then, she can rescind that invitation at any time. Period. I wouldn't be able to say that because I could be ignorant of that fact. I could feel the same way as others do. I don't care 
what a woman has on. All the rhetoric about what she wears, this, that, and the other thing. We came into this world naked. And if you follow any Abrahamic faith and believe the creation story, that was the original intention, is to be naked. Because either way, we were told to multiply and still stay naked. So why does it matter what somebody has on? The person that de decided what was and was not appropriate clothing was a human, not the creator. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, it, if I had never been homeless, I would never, and I probably could, but there's a different feeling that comes to me when I see somebody on the street. Because I know, I don't know what being on the street feels like. I give gratitude that anytime I've ever been in that situation, I had a car. That I was mobile. So I had a quote unquote roof to sleep under. I could drive to somebody's place and shower and put clothes on and hide the fact that I was sleeping in my car. But some people, they don't have that. And I drive around some parts of town where there's like a congregation of people. But I wouldn't be able to have the level of empathy that I have if I didn't know what it felt like. Because I know what it feels like to be in their shoes, to not know where that next meal has come from. Now, I, I've had a home and not known where food was going to come from. And when I look at, you know, when I hear stories about women who have lost children, who have miscarried or struggled with fertility, all of these women, I resonate with all of them. All of them. I resonate with women with PCOS who feel some kind of way about their body, like they feel like their body is broken. It is not. It's not broken. You are not broken. And that's my superpower. Um, there's an asteroid Chiron in our birth chart, and they say it's a wounded healer. And ironically, I'm a life path 11. That's a spiritual teacher who is also the wounded healer. Like we go through stuff, but those things we go through are the things that we're able to speak to and help people heal from and help them find their power. Me losing my firstborn, I just knew. Like that that was like, I think the straw <laughs> that broke the camel's back. Like, okay, God is, God is really out to get me because every child I've ever loved in some capacity was no longer in my life. And then the moment I'm able to carry a child that is my own, he's taken away from me. But his journey allowed me to know what my body needs in order to carry a child full term. I know I have two sons to show for it. If I ever am blessed enough to have another baby, I know what to do in order to carry her. I said her. <laughs> carry that child um, to term. So there's always, there's something on the other side. Always. 
there's always something on the other side. Being raped made me lift weights and be cognizant of how much how much shape I was in when I was young. I may not be in the same, I'm definitely not in the same shape I was in when I was younger, but I do feel like because I was actively active in my youth and lifting weights and exercising, I'm not heavier now. Because I think that if I had not been, I'd probably be much heavier now because of the fact that I have PCOS and weight, putting on weight and then losing it is the challenge. We put it on quite easily, um, but losing it is a challenge. So that's what, that's another thing the rate gave to me. Um, I think I appreciate my body now more than I ever did before. I mean, I eat like I do all the time, things that nature, but who I share my body with, that is important to me. Um, who I exchange that energy with. Everybody isn't prepared to lay with a goddess. And that's how I feel about the situation. Everybody isn't prepared for that energetic exchange. And I can't give my energy away to just anyone. And I have to be cognizant of who comes into my sphere and whether or not that person is worthy of that type of energy exchange. I won't tell you that I'm going to wait till I get married again or anything like that. I'm not going to tell that lie. What I will say is I am allowing my higher self to guide me so that whatever exchange of energy I choose to have is sacred. Um, when I was in the room and they asked, why is your pussy powerful? My pussy is powerful because whether or not I was able to bring forth life, my divine feminine energy has always been there. Always been there. It's always allowed me to have creative ideas and think of things that other people don't always think of. It's always allowed me to be nurturing. I've always been emotional. I swear emotions are my other superpower. I've always been picked on for crying. And then I'm like, if you saw some of the things that you don't know that I've gone through, you probably cry a lot too. But I know now I'm an empath and I kind of pick up emotions, whether they're the emotions of someone on a TV show or somebody in my realm or something that's going on with me. Your sacral chakra is where your emotions come from. And I give gratitude for that. I am very humbled and grateful that spirit saw fit that, you know, my now ancestor who's named after an archangel who has apparently been watching over me since I was a baby and has been with my family, decided to come forth into this world through me so that his brothers could be here. And as 
painful as his loss was, his healing presence is so permanent in my life. So my wounds, they're scabbed up. I got a couple of scars as they've been healing, but I'm not them. I'm not broken. I'm not battered. I'm not, I'm just, I might be a little bruised. Yeah, I might, I might have a little, little, little scar tissue. It sometimes it's tender, sometimes it's not. Because your healing journey doesn't ever truly stop. You just get to a, a place of peace in the healing. So it honors me and my higher self to be able to say that I'm powerful. I am honored to be able to say that I am courageous because something like this, Last year, nah, couldn't see this at all. I'm honored to say I'm me and that my wounds, they're not me. I am their attention. And my trauma is my healing superpower. That fear of my sexual energy drove me to balance my divine feminine and divine masculine energy. It was a catalyst that pushed me to that place and gave me purpose. So the grow, uh -uh, the grotto of the divine, the new aspect of my Patreon, that's what that's about is balance of the divine feminine masculine through cultivating your own personal spiritual practice. I can only plant seeds. It's up to you to water them and nurture them into something that feels right for you. Um, I, I look forward to this next leg of my journey and my growth process. Um, I'm still growing, I'm still learning, and I'm happily doing so. So I think that's all Spirit wanted me to share today. Um, I want to give gratitude for anyone that listens, give gratitude for you making space to do so. Feel free to leave me a message or drop me a comment and share with anyone that you feel like needs to hear or it resonates with them. Thank you again, and this is Naya signing out. Grow with Naya will be a weekly podcast where I discuss not only my spiritual life, but also my regular everyday life as well. I will also share what else I'm growing in my garden, including any new poetry, courses, events, and interviews with inspiring souls. My intention is for this to be a place of growth and community. Be sure to leave me a voice message Find me on social media at Naya Shalom. Gratitude in advance for you subscribing, liking, rating, sharing, and commenting on any podcast app. Thank you.